Praise the Lord and welcome to The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. The pandemic is technically over. Employers are requiring employees to return to the office. Children are back in the classroom full time. Businesses have reopened, offering old-fashioned in-store shopping, pickup, and same-day delivery. Churches, many of whom have seen significant decreases in attendance over the years, have returned to Sunday school and weekday services and online conveniences. However, the pandemic challenge is the same as the post-pandemic question, how do we effectively witness to sinners when non-apostolic believers and reclaim the backsliders. We're going to have a dialogue with our podcast team members. Elder Maurice Clanton, Associate Pastor, Corey Linda Bellamy Sr., Lady Latrice Wallace, and our newest team members, Elder Jake Winslow, Minister Juanita Jackson, and Sister Mariah Bellamy. Feel free to add your suggestions on our Facebook page, The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. I'll be right back with today's episode. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. We're excited to have our new team members with us, Elder Jake Winslow, Minister Juanita Jackson, and Sister Mariah Bellamy. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Glad to be here. Yeah. Well, boy, do we have a topic today. Um, This topic is just as um, old as I am. (laughs) How to effectively witness uh, not only to the church, but to the And one of the challenges that we're having in our congregations across denominational lines is people back to church after the pandemic. So I'm going to ask you, um, in your own words, how do you define witness? Let's start with um, Elder uh, Winslow. Praise the Lord, Bishop. And when I heard this question, I had to think about it. And defining a living witness, amen, is just to try to be like Jesus everywhere you go. You know, Jesus Christ exemplified the love of the Father, amen. So the way I look at it, we just got to walk in love and and love our neighbor as ourselves, amen. And try, despite whatever it is, try to walk with the joy of the Lord. Um, I think also another thing that's important that we do, even, you know, on our jobs, in our everyday lives, as we go through, is live a life, even though we are common with people, but we also have to be separate and set apart from the way that the other people that may be in our jobs and in our communities are. Amen. We, we have to show that there's a difference between our lives, you know, our, as the scripture says, our righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Amen. We can do that by presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our only our reasonable service. And years ago, I heard that this statement, and I can't exactly remember who um, 
who to attribute it to, but it's something that I've actually walked with and it's, it's not necessarily in the scripture, but the, it was said that always preach the gospel of Christ and sometimes use words. Amen. So we got to live the gospel and, and really show the gospel rather than talking because, amen. I also heard a wise man once say that, uh, you know, your actions speak so loud. Our actions speak so loud that people can't even hear what I'm saying. So yeah, that's very good. Um, Minister Juanita, how would you define witness? You, um, you are a pew baby. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> you, you've been, you, you've been around the church all your life. <laughs> how do you define witness, um, based on your experience? A lot of what um, Elder Jake said, just pretty much just being that that example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about the word, it talks about us being peculiar. So we're different. So we show, to me, we show the word how one should live. Um, yeah. And so to me, that's what being a living witness means. I'm showing you how God really wants us to live, how he wants us to deal with situations and circumstances that's what being a living witness to me means. Mariah, you're in a much younger age group um, than, than I and, and some of the others. I won't say who. <laughs> you're in a much younger age group than, than uh, some of us are. What does it mean to witness in, in your words based on your observation and experience? To witness to me is like just being a light, just shedding your light on others. And it's also not necessarily how you're living, but how you're interacting with other people as far as like, you know, say somebody's having a bad day, giving them encouraging words and, you know, speaking, you know, life into them or anything just something small of that that manner. You don't have to do anything big, extravagant. You don't got to pass out tracks outside of your job. You just have to, you know, show, you know, that, you know, you're actually living it and you're, you care for other people. Wow. It's amazing, Mariah, that you mentioned tracks <laughs> because I was going to ask about tracks. You know, that's the default way of witnessing, you know, uh, come to church before you come in a hearse and that that kind of thing, you know, before the hearse brings you <laughs> that that kind of thing. Um, Tyrone, um, we have Tyrone Neal Withers, who is one of our new producers as well. Glad to have you with us, Tyrone. You're in the same age group as Mariah, dealing with a total different generation and group of people. What does it mean to witness based on your experience? Just to kind of piggyback off of what Mariah said, I think that it's very subtle that you don't have to do much, but you do have to strive for righteousness. And that your striving for righteousness actually speaks louder than what you tell someone. And people in my age group, they're so caught up in, you know, um, striving for other things as this is the, the prime of our lives. So they're striving for other things. So words tend to not get to them, but actions, actions get to just about anybody. So I think the way you're living, the way you interact, the way you engage with people is the most important thing when you're when you're trying to be a living witness and just letting who you are show rather than your words. Because in my age group, people are striving for so many other things. They need to see that it's important to strive for Christ 
not with lip service, but with footwork on the ground. Uh, Associate Pastor Corey, should we retire our tracks? (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea of having tracks handy. Different people are one with different approaches. And a track is just one tool that's in the toolbox. Uh, If I may address the, the question of a living witness, to be a witness, you have to be someone who was on the scene. You were there. You saw it firsthand. If you tell somebody what you heard, what somebody else said, then there's a possibility that your testimony is going to be thrown out of the court. So you must be there. You must be someone who saw, who heard, and who experienced it. As relates to the tracks, sometimes you don't have five minutes for an elevator testimony. So you have something in hand that you can pass to the individual that they can read at a later date. Pastor Maurice, is anybody still using tracks? Far and few in between. Unfortunately, um, but like what Pastor Corey said and everyone, I think they're they're perfect. You can contain them in your pocket and you can just share it. I don't want to be like uh, Elder Winslow said, as the scribes and Pharisees with it, you know, because we know of a group of people that always got something that they want to give you. And we're not too receptive to that group of people. I'm not going to drop no names, but we know who they are. They travel through neighborhoods and packs handing out the good news but yeah. so so to not be uh <laughs> to not be misinterpreted i would love to have a conversation and i would love for my life and i was just looking for a scripture and two of them popped in my mind one's in um colossians is that i'm dead and i live in christ and the other one is no more i but christ be magnified in my life so like everyone is saying it ain't about what i can say but it's about how I am seen. I'm going to live in a epistle read and known to man. And if my life don't look like nothing, who's going to come and inquire of me? You know, I, I, I can have 50 tracks in my laptop bag or in my briefcase. But if I um, don't show the love of God, then what is my witness really about? I want to I want to read for you all um, Acts 1 and 8, which is... Um, a very familiar scripture, especially in the Pentecostal apostolic churches, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto me. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Um, Lady Latrice, Jesus used that word witnesses. What do you think that he was talking about? Pastor Corey was saying that you had to be there. You had to see it. You had to experience it. Uh, The apostles said they were eyewitnesses. Yes. In your experience and your many years in the church, active in ministry inside and out, how do you define a witness? I find a living witness is someone who has experienced the love of God, someone who uh, has seen the glory and experienced and felt the spirit of the Lord, uh, someone that has been able to see the miraculous works of the Lord, 
and sharing what you experience with the Lord to others. So let's 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 just take a minute and talk about our personal experience. And I want to what was it that won you or brought you to the Lord? Was it a testimony? Was it the way that somebody was living, their lifestyle that impressed you, that influenced you, that caused you to want to know more about Christ? Let's start with Evangelist Juanita. What was it that influenced you, Juanita? Um, for me, I would say as a kid, um, I watched a few saints. And I always felt like there was something in me, like I just knew I was supposed to live a life of holiness. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter how long I or how much I would run away from it. You know, um, God would always just speak to my heart. It was like a pull on me. Um, It's hard to describe and explain sometimes. Didn't matter where I was. I could be in a club. I could be, (laughs) you know, just (laughs) doing different things. But there will be like this pull that I would feel. And I always felt that as a child. So for me, I would just say just seeing certain people hold on, seeing the the love that how God would bring people back to him, just being able to see that and that God, you know, still loved me regardless of what I did in my life or what I ran away from. He was always there. So that's just, you know, his love for me is what really pulled me back in. Do you think that was the, the Holy Spirit that was directing your life and sort of tethered himself to you until you became attached to Christ? I believe so. I really do believe that. Um, I first received the Holy Ghost at the age of 14, but because I didn't do what I needed to do to, you know, hold on to it, you know, kind of fell away from grace for a while. Um, But like I said, I I felt like God never left me, never Mm -hmm. left me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just the encouragement from um, my parents seeing someone at college praying, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. different things like that. You know, they will always come to me and be like, Juanita, can you pray? I'm like, I'm sinning just like you. So <laughs> <laughs> you want me to pray? <laughs> so, you know, it was just, I, I think it was that, that whole, the Holy Ghost, the, his spirit that just would not let me go. Really would not. Tyrone, what, what influenced you? You are a remarkable young man. Um, I see you every Sunday sitting right there on the, the front pew. You can't get any closer to the pulpit than, than <laughs> anybody else because you're right there on the front pew. <laughs> yeah. um, you are. You study your word. You are a praying young man. What was it or who was it that witnessed to you or influenced you? Yeah, absolutely. So I did uh, grow up in the church. My mother grew up in the church. I didn't necessarily grow up, grow up in the church as far as like doing the right thing, but I was always in the church. So when I got old enough, I went away to college. My life kind of fell into shambles. Although like when I was out doing my own thing, for some reason, it was a prayer on my heart that I used to say all the time. Um, I used to ask God not to allow me to fall too far. Um, And Mm. I don't know why that was always on my mind, but for some reason, Every night I would I would just say a quick little prayer. God, don't allow me to fall too far. And I don't know why I said that. Still to this day, I kind of don't uh, know why I said that. And then my life kind of just fell into shambles. I was living somewhere I shouldn't have been. And then I, I wind up having to live in my car for a little. And that's when I kind of realized that uh, my life's going down the wrong path. 
I have a mom at home. I have a father at home. So I, I went home. I, I tried to get myself together and I went to church and then just following after uh, my father, Pastor John, uh, who's married to my mother, um, watching his life and just watching him um, strive, strive in righteousness. That has motivated me a lot to, wow, I want to be there someday. I want to be as, as far as I can see in my, in my eyes, perfect one day like, like him. So he has been a big influence and a big mentor in my life on my journey to uh, obtain the Holy Ghost. So witnessing is not necessarily always what we say. And I think one of the producers, uh, a few of you said that it is not necessarily um, what we say. It has a lot to do with what we're doing, our lifestyle, our behavior. Elder Jake, what is the central message of a witness? If we are if we're witnessing to someone on the job, if we're out passing tracks or whatever the case might be, what is the message that we want to get across? In my experience and and in my understanding of the scriptures, and just my again, my experience is that really the central message goes back to God was in Christ reconciling the world back to him you got in this dying world there's so much bad stuff that's going on that, that that it seems hopeless but we've got to present again through the way that we live and the way we present ourselves we got to give the, we got to give the people a hope and show them that that it is not his will that any should perish but that all would come to repentance and that there is hope and there is rest and there is peace Amen. Through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Uh, that's that's probably the central thing that I could see. Yeah, it could go a little bit more than that. But again, we don't know how churched or where people come from. You got to kind of meet them where they are. The bottom line, people need a hope. They need something to grab onto because this is this is a hopeless time, it seems. And it's a hopeless world. So, yeah. Mariah, what does what does the 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 age group that you're in what do they need to hear how do we effectively witness to them i think just simply by delivering a message that you know jesus saves and that he cares about you a lot of people my age are dealing with you know mental health issues mm-hmm. and they're like yeah they may be uh, there may be a lot of things going on in their lives but they feel alone and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just as simple as feeling that feeling like you can, you know, turn to somebody and have somebody to have your back or, you know, that you can cry to and, you know, and just somebody who can create miracles in your life, somebody who's not going to, you know, forsake you. So I feel like having that message and people knowing that who are like around my age could help them, you know, when they come closer to Christ. Thank you. Pastor Corey, what, what is the central message of a witness? The central message is the gospel, mm-hmm. the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listening to Mariah, I can't help to think about the uh, the students here in Kentucky, in uh, Wilmore, Kentucky, at uh, Asbury University. Students in Ohio at a theological seminary. And most recently, students who were uh, actively uh, praising and singing worship songs at Howard University. 
there is a yearning across America. Our young people are hungry. They want something different. They're hurting. And they need to know that they're loved. And the love that God has is a love that will not forsake them. And as a part of that message of God's love, you let them know that God loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice who meant the most to him. And that's his son. So that we can feel his love. And because of that love, that sacrifice, uh, Jesus went to Calvary. He gave his life for us. God raised him from the dead. And we can be raised from our trespasses and our sins, and we can be united with him in unity and fellowship and love. That event in Ashbury, Kentucky, made uh, national, if not international, news and began to spread, as you said, to other campuses. The unchurched. How do we reach the unchurched, the people who were not or are not pew babies, who never went to Sunday school or Bible school, never attended worship services? That is a total different culture. I recently had an experience with a large group of unchurched people, and I don't think I've said this. It was somewhat frightening when you come in the company of people who don't know God, who don't honor or respect God. How do you reach them, Lady Latrice? Do you think talking about the love of God, talking about Christ died on the cross for their sins, do you think that's, that's the way to reach them? You show them love. Mm-hmm. Showing them the love of Christ through your own compassion for them will steer them and give them a mind to think, hey, what does she have What that I don't have? What makes her be this way? And then they will start seeking direction. We just got to give the love of Christ to them and that will guide them and lead them. And, and even when they do things that we don't find kind, we still should show them love. So are you saying that love is the universal language, whether it's for the church or the unchurch? Yes. Uh, Pastor Maurice, um, I'm sure you've encountered some unchurched people in, in your years and had experiences trying to witness to them. What have you found to be effective in reaching the unchurched? I'm going to piggyback off what Lady Detree said, is what the word said, with love and kindness have I drawn thee. So I find it open rebuke and, and a lot of scripture of correction is not the ticket. You have to meet them where they are. I, I, I love all of the writings of Apostle Paul. And one of the things that he stated was, I have become all things that I might win some. And it's a lot to unpack in it. And not that he became a transgressor or a sinner or a whoremonger, but he met the people where they were. 
He wasn't high minded. He never had that. I mean, when he lays out his pedigree, he's like he's Hebrew of the Hebrews, touching the law blameless. But he counted all of that as dung that he might know him. And his whole purpose was to make sure everyone under the sound of his voice knew who Jesus was and that he loved you and that he died, that you can get reconciliation which would be the one word that I would sum up witnessing. It's the ministry of reconciliation. So the unchurched, they can be frightening or terrifying, especially if they're in their element or in your church. Yeah. But, but I'm reminded of when Peter and John went to preach and they got beaten and they came out and they said, Lord, give us boldness. Mm-hmm. He said, give us boldness that we can preach. And you know what they did? They went straight back and they preached Jesus in the city and they did it without fear. So a lot of times the, the unchurched just doesn't know. And unfortunately, because there's a lot of other um, teachings that's being shared, they're not aware. You know, everybody's on a feel good or on a prosperity or so to me and, and they're winning souls and then they're lost. They're, they're worse for that. So for me, I know that loving kindness, meeting people where they are, even if it doesn't start off in the Bible, like just kindness, you know, I, I don't have to teach a Bible class to show you the love of God. It, and it all circles back to how we live that man on the street corner, begging for alms doesn't need to hear a sermonette to get something to eat. But if I take him and get something to eat, he may inquire, why is it that you took this care towards me? I'm just a nobody. And in that opportunity, boy, the door done swung open. Let me tell you about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's how I live. You know, the opportunities will will appear. And if we operate with the understanding that one planet, another water and God get the increase, I don't have to win every soul. I'm going to say something controversial and y'all can cut it out. But it's also not for filling up buildings. Mm -hmm. Witnessing does not mean filling up pews. Mm -hmm. Winning souls for for Christ is what witnessing is for. Now, if they come to church, that is a plus. Because it gives what we need in the body of Christ. But ultimately, my goal shouldn't be, oh, I got to win 10 because my pew that the bishop gave me needs 10 new people in it. Uh, I, I got the wrong motive behind it. I'm winning souls for Christ because he told us to go out in the highways and the hedges and bid them to come. Oh, Maurice, I still want you to fill that pew up. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, Bishop. Look, I'm going to write it down right now. I got my notebook. <laughs> Fill the pew. Juanita, Juanita, can we be too judgmental? <laughs> and, and does that interfere with the effectiveness of, of our witnessing? I want to ask you that. And then Mariah and Tyrone ask them to address it as well. What do you think about that? I think we can be um, like one of the old sayings. You can't you have to catch the fish first before you can skin it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, a lot of times I've seen, like you said, growing up in church, I've seen it happen um, where just too judgmental. But I've also seen where some pastors have actually apologized for it and said, hey, I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. But truly, I think love draws people best 
or more than anything else. Your love, um, my mom will always say, be good to people. And in being good to people, then they're able to, you know, maybe receive some things better. It's always about your approach. Um, it's not always what we say, but a lot of times it's how we say it. Very key word there, approach. Very key word. Mariah, you're cute, baby. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You've seen a lot. You've heard a lot. You've experienced a lot in and around the church. You've been around the church and the unchurched. Do you think that sometimes we're too judgmental? We're just too hard on people? Yes. I I definitely do. I, I say that because... From what I hear from the unchurched and even other pew babies like myself, like um, when you think about getting into the church, you think a lot about, you hear a lot about what you can't do, what you shouldn't do. You know, you can't do this or you're going to hell. You know, you shouldn't do this because, you know, you got to be separate and this and that. And, and, and even though that is true, <laughs> you got to come in a way to where you got to tell people what they can do with Christ and not necessarily, if we're being honest, a lot of people aren't ready for that. Yeah. So that's what I think, the judgment on my part. Oh, let me switch to your dad and, and let him follow up behind you. <laughs> uh, pa- Pastor Corey, do we, do, we, do we need to, I see your mom is really smiling there. <laughs> Do we need to lighten up? Bishop, I have some children who needed a whooping. Yeah. And I have some children that I could talk to. Mm-hmm. Scripture says, he that wounded souls is wise. And it's important for us to seek God so that God could give us that wisdom that comes from above so that we will know what type of fish we're working with and what bait works best. Mm -hmm. There's a a place not far from me that's called the Game Farm. They have catfish, they have bass, and they have other types of fish. What works with a catfish may not work with a bluegill. Mm-hmm. So you really have to have wisdom to know what type of bait to use. Generally speaking, if we are harsh in our language, we can turn people away. To be blunt, if you call me out of my name, I'm less likely to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. But if you approach me with loving kindness, then my ears will perk up and my heart will open and I'm more receptive. Fantastic. We're going to take a break and we're going to come right back and continue our discussion with our producers with How to Witness. 